Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brandon Woodruff. Welcome to the Fitness and Time Management Podcast, where every week I will put out four episodes. Two of them will be blog posts or articles that I've written that I will read out loud for those of you who, like myself, prefer to consume content while doing something else uh, via audio. And the other two will be the, the audio that I extract from my Facebook Lives where I will address a topic as well as do do Q&A. Uh, so those are just really practical and, and answers uh, to questions that, that everyone asks me. So if you have questions, feel free to submit them to me and I will, I will be happy to answer them and, and post them here. So as of now, there will at least be those four episodes every week. Down the line a bit, I may do some interviews and things like that as well. But for now, that's what you can expect. Let me know your feedback, good or bad. Hope you enjoy and get something from this. All right, let's see. So Kelly says, what is the best 30-minute workout, cardio or weights? All right, so if you have 30 minutes to work out, um, honestly, first of all, I would say it depends on your goals. But for the vast majority of people, I would definitely say weights. If you're saying weights or cardio, definitely weights. Now, what you can do with weights in 30 minutes is limited, but what I would suggest is um, maybe doing one or two of the main lifts during that 30 minutes focusing on that. So spend your 30 minutes doing your warm up, um, doing your one of the big four lifts, you know, the bench press, the squat, the overhead press, the deadlift, um, doing your, your reps of that and then any accessories you want to you have time for it then. That's how I would suggest it. Um, I've actually worked with a few people. One person I'm working with right now, um, I have her do uh, just literally she only has about 20, 25 minutes uh, a day, six days a week. So I have her do her warm up sets and her like one lift. Um, well, actually, we do bench press and we do overhead press. Uh, and then on the other days, we do two sets of squats, one set of deadlift uh, so that she gets enough volume of those in. But um, that's how I'd split it up. I would definitely say weights over cardio for the majority of people. The only people I would not say that to is if your main goal is something endurance based, such as getting a, um, you know, such as running a marathon or doing a triathlon or something like that. If you want to do something like that, then you do want to prioritize cardio. Otherwise, I would definitely say weights because um, not only is it going to burn calories, but it's also going to help you build muscle. Um, The more muscle you have, the better your metabolism is and the more you burn calories just at rest. So um, I I could go on and on and on about why strength training, Uh, a lot more reasons, but that's that's why I would say weights. All right, let's see. Stan says, push-ups every day. How many days in a row before you need to rest your muscles? Um, there's no cut and dry answer for this, Stan. It really depends on how well you're recovering. So I don't know how many push-ups you're doing every day, but um, regardless, uh, you know, a beginner's two push-ups could be equal to somebody who's been doing it a while. It's 50 push-ups in terms of how much time they need to recover, in terms of how much of a stimulus that is for their body. Uh, so what I would say is, are you recovering well? If you're doing them every day, let's say you're doing 50 push-ups. If you do 50 push-ups today on Friday and then tomorrow on Saturday, you can do 50 push-ups again and you can just keep doing 50 push-ups every day. You're recovering fine. Like no reason to dial back. It doesn't matter. But if you do 50 push-ups today and then tomorrow you can only do 43 push-ups and then Sunday you can only do 41 push-ups or whatever, you're not giving yourself enough time to recover. You know, people always get this confused about like you need this crazy soreness, all that kind of stuff. It's just about stress and recovery. So if you're giving your body enough stress to cause a change and enough recovery so that you can 
come back and do that workout again the next time, you're good. So I wouldn't stress it's not that cut and dry about can you do them every day, it's how well are you recovering. Let's see here. All right, Rich says, I've been doing three sets of three to five for strength on compound lifts and four sets of eight to 10 for some accessories to try and fill out. What's your opinion on rep ranges for CNS, strength, hypertrophy, and endurance? I'm sure you've answered this before, but I have a small attention span. Uh, okay, so this is there's a lot in this question. Um, first of all, man, good job on doing the, the focusing on the three to five and then the eight to ten to fill out. Um, so uh, for those, I'll I'll quickly address those one by one. So CNS, that central nervous system that he's talking about. Um, honestly, I mean. It doesn't matter what rep range you can you can overly tax your central nervous system in any rep range if you go hard enough and if you fatigue yourself enough. That being said, um, it's most common to to get central nervous system fatigue uh, with high weight, low rep sets, pure strength sets, and like especially in like the one to three rep range, um, you know, and even in the three to five rep range, it can be that's where it's most common. Um, you know, so I would say. The, the thing about the CNS, it's, it's not really about it, that, although that's, you know, it's more common in those, really the most important thing to make sure that you, your, your, your nervous system is, your central nervous system is recovered is to deload, you know, so that's a whole different thing, but to make sure that you listen to the, you know, the, to your body when you're, you're, it's different for everybody, but when your body starts needing a deload, when you're, you know, having trouble sleeping, experiencing a lot of soreness, experiencing like moody, like being moody, like all kinds of different things that manifest differently in different people. Um, it's time for a deload. Some people just go ahead and program them in every eight weeks or whatever to make sure they have time, make sure that they don't forget to do it basically. So that's the central nervous system. Um, let's see, what else did you say? What's my opinion on rep ranges for strength, hypertrophy, endurance? Um, basically, man, I would say like, um, I mean, the, the standard that most people will tell you is like strength is like anything between one to six reps. Hypertrophy is more between like eight to typically you'd hear eight to 12, sometimes all the way up to like 15. And then anything above like 15 is endurance. And basically what that means, if your goal is to get stronger, basically regardless of, of your Regardless of your, like if you're a beginner, let's just say somebody's a beginner. I know you're not, so I'll get right back to you. But if you're a beginner, I just want you to hear it doesn't really matter. Anything that you do, when you go from nothing to something, any of these rep ranges are going to make you stronger than you currently are. They're going to help you build more muscle than you currently have. That doesn't, just because any of them will help, it doesn't mean that that's optimal though. So that what I've found in my own training and coaching clients is that that three to five or four to six rep range that Rich is talking about, that's where you want to, typically most people want to start off. Um, that's my opinion, but it's a pretty, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty like trustworthy opinion. So I would say, um, I would say that, that now that that's out of the way, Rich, I'll talk about you specifically. Um, you know, that that's right. I mean, strength, one to six reps, hypertrophy, eight to 12, eight to 15, and then anything above 15 is endurance. So for those not 100% clear what I'm talking about, strength is just what it sounds like. It's, it's literally like that, that one, anything, anywhere in that one to six rep range. You can even really split those down between the one to three rep range and the um, the four to six rep range, but anything between that one to six rep range is, is best for strength. Just what it sounds like best for getting stronger. Hypertrophy is that, that, that higher rep range. Hypertrophy just means muscle building. And then endurance means like 
how many times you can repeat that movement without stopping, basically. So once you get above the 15 rep range in most exercises, that's not going to help you get a lot stronger. It's not going to help you build a lot more muscle. Once you've got that initial, um, once you've got that initial like progress I talked about earlier as a beginner, um, but after that, you basically are going to be at a point where if you keep doing that, you're just not going to get any stronger. You're just going to increase the amount of times you can do that movement over and over, which in most life circumstances is not that useful. Um, so that being said, calves training in higher rep ranges than that have helped me grow my calves. Um, they're still are awful though. All right, let's see here. Just starting angle gain strength. All right, so let's see. Victor says, how long should a cut last? Should people take times in the process? Should people take times in the process of a cut slash diet to get used to being at a body weight? I'm not 100% sure what you're asking on that second part. Let me let me address the first part, and then I'll, I'll tackle what I think you mean on the second part. Um, how long should a cut last? There's a lot. You're going to hear a lot of different opinions on this. More commonly, you'll see people dragging out cuts. And by cut, we mean a calorie deficit. You're trying to cut down on body fat, right? So if somebody is, if somebody is trying to cut down on body fat, um, when you're cutting, typically – this is talking about somebody who's in a cycle of bulking, meaning they're adding some muscle and body fat and getting stronger uh, because you always gain and lose muscle and body fat together. You can just skew the percentages, right? So like if you are, if you are um, bulking up and then you're cutting down, that's mostly what he's talking about. He's not necessarily talking about somebody who is like morbidly obese and has a lot of body fat to lose. Those people need to usually stay in a deficit for a good amount of time to get a lot of that body fat off. Maybe they need to t go to maintenance here and there to, to give themselves a psychological break um, to help to just kind of nurse their metabolism a little bit too. But overall, like those people are going to need to be in a calorie deficit for a, a longer period of time. But for somebody who has bulked up and they've gotten, let's see, let's say, you know, anywhere from like three to ten percent body fat more than they than they prefer, and they're cutting down, that's 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 what he's asking. So what I would say, man, my preference, my personal preference, and what I do is I go like three to four weeks, and I put myself into about a twenty to twenty five percent or more calorie deficit because just honestly, I just hate it. Like I hate not being able to eat what I want. I hate not being able to finish my wife's food if she doesn't finish it. Like I, I want to be able to like enjoy life. In my opinion, fitness should be something that improves your quality of life, not detracts from it. And so, you know, if I am going to, if I'm going to like cut down my body fat, I'm going to do it much. I'm going to do it as quickly as possible. And I have some relatively extreme tactics I use to do that, that I would not recommend most people do just because I have I have a lot of willpower for short bursts. I can I can really just like be brutal with my diet for like three to four weeks, and but if it were longer than that, I would not have the willpower to do that. So I will um, you know I can do that, and I don't really recommend it to most people. Every now and then I might have a client that I recommend it to, but mostly not. Um, what I do is called protein sparing, protein sparing modified fasting. So I won't go on a, uh, off on a tangent about that, but look it up if you'd like. Again, don't recommend it to the vast majority of people because it's extreme. Um, but that, and I, I usually will only do that for like five to seven days and then cut down into a regular, go into just a regular caloric deficit, deficit um, if I have more body fat that I want to lose. But I would recommend a short shorter cut, you know, four to like three to four weeks rather than what some people do for months for several reasons. Uh, number one, because a lot of times people are, 
the longer you stay in a deficit, the, the slower your metabolism gets. And so I like to, to keep it short. Also, like, like I said, with my own willpower, I know I'm not the only one in this boat. A lot of people, they just, they like, they start losing motivation. They start losing the determination to do it. They start getting grumpy and agitated and all kinds of things are happening. Like when you're in a caloric deficit for a long period of time. And so I like to go for those reasons. I like to, to keep it as short as possible. And also if you're, if building muscle is a goal of yours, you're not building any muscle once you're in, if you're in a caloric deficit, you know, if you're brand new, again, you can build muscle and gain, you can build muscle and lose fat at the same time for a very, very short period of time. And then basically never again. So, um, you're, if, if muscle gain is a, is something and strength gain is something you're concerned about. Once you get past those novice, you know, or newbie gains or whatever, you're not really going to make, you're not, you can't do it. So the longer you're in a deficit, the longer you're not building muscle or, or getting stronger as well. So yeah, that's how I'd answer that. My preference is to keep it as short as possible, man. Four, four weeks tops is my preference. Um, and if you are, if that's not long enough to lose the body fat, I would argue you probably bulked for a little bit um, too long. <laughs> you probably put on a little bit more body fat than you should have in the bowl. That's my, that's my opinion. That's my strategy. All right. Let's see here. I've got one or two, or two more questions. Let's see. Reginald says when squatting or deadlifting, should I wear shoes or be barefoot? Oh man. Well, um, honestly, so squatting, I would definitely wear. Okay. It depends on the shoes. Let me answer it that way. If you have lifting shoes, you have squat shoes, 100% you should use the squat shoes. They put, they just put your body like that raised heel. It just puts your body in a better position to squat naturally. Um, my, my personal squat has gotten so much better since I moved to lifting shoes, um, rather than just, you know, converse or whatever. You definitely don't want to be lifting in like running shoes where the sole is squishy, you know, where you've got what, what's really good for running shoes, which is that padding that, that, because with running, you're just, it's that constant impact, impact into the ground and you want cushion for that. But with squats, you don't want that. With squats, you want a solid, sturdy Thing that you're pressing off of right um so so barefoot would be better than like squishy running shoes converse would be better than barefoot lifting shoes would trump all of it um that's that, now deadlifts is a different story i personally prefer to to deadlift in e either barefoot or in something with a very very flat sole like converse the reason is with a deadlift you're pulling the bar off the ground right and so every Every inch, every centimeter higher you are off the ground, that's that much further that you have to pull the bar. Okay, so like if I'm if I'm barefoot, it's versus the squat shoe, that's like two inches more that I have to pull the bar if I'm wearing the squat shoes versus if I'm barefoot versus Converse, it might incre it might have like a half an inch. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't. It's not. It's not squat and de deadlift. Should you do this? I would say deadlift. I would say deadlift, either barefoot or very flat. Squat, I already answered that. Squat shoe preferably, um, but barefoot would be better than like running type shoes. All right, let's see one more. Omar, he says, he says, let me drink some water so I don't start choking on this. Omar, that was really loud. He says, if one feels a bit sick, do you recommend exercise to sweat it off? I gave this recommend recommendation to someone. What do you think? Um, so I'll say two things about this. Number one, my main, 
I will, I will tell you that my, as a fitness coach, my goal is to, my goal is not to heal sickness. My goal is to help people make progress toward their fitness goals. Um, my goal is to help them optimize their training, right? So I personally, as a fitness coach, I'm not going to prescribe something, um, even through exercise that, that would like help heal a sickness because I don't believe I'm personally qualified to do that. I'm not a doctor. I don't have any medical training. So I would not recommend that somebody go and, you know, try to sweat it out, sweat out a sickness, whatever. I don't even, you know, I don't even know if, if that's a thing, honestly, because so I would not, I personally would not recommend that. What I am concerned with about sickness is how is this going to affect somebody's training? How is this going to affect somebody's fitness progress? And the general rule of thumb that you'll hear out there and that, that I've found pretty trustworthy about that is if it's just in the head, somebody has a head cold. I don't mean like it's just all in their head. I mean like it, somebody is there, they have a bit of a headache or they have some like nasal congestion, whatever. If they still feel up to training, then I think that's fine in, in most cases. But if it's something that's in the chest, they've got a lot of fluid in the chest, they've got a stomach bug or whatever, like those are the kind of kind of sicknesses I personally don't train on and I don't I recommend my clients not train on. And if they're even if it's a, just a head thing like a head cold or headache or whatever, but they're feeling just really bad, like I, I I'll just say let's just go ahead and skip today's session and and pick up next time. You know what I mean? Because uh, Unless they're just really motivated to do it. If they're kind of like on the line about it, I just say, look, sickness is not something that happens all the time. Let's just let's just skip today and, and jump back in. So that's that's what how I'd answer that. I would not say I'm qualified to tell somebody to sweat it out. I would tell them, no, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend that. I would not suggest anything like that personally, but I would kind of like gauge how bad their sickness is and what type of sickness it is if they're trying to get my opinion on whether I think they should do their workout or not. I missed something up here. There was a second part of a question I was going to answer, and I forgot. Hang on. Um, Victor had also, he had asked how long should a cut last. He also asked, should people take times in the process of a cut diet to get used to being at a body weight? Um, I'm assuming, I'm not sure, Victor, so correct me later. I don't think you're here, but correct me later if you see this. It, I'm assuming that what you mean is having to do with the metabolism. So like if if you're trying to cut down, um, let's say that somebody burns, let's say somebody burns, you know, 2,500 calories a day. That's their total daily energy expenditure. That's the total amount of calories that they burn. Let's say that they put themselves into a deficit at 2,000 calories. Um, so that's a pretty significant deficit. They're, they're burning, you know, 500 more calories than they're consuming a day. So let's say that that's the case. Are you asking like, I, I assume you're asking if you're at 2,500 calories burned, 2,000 calories consumed, and then you gain, you drop some weight, should you just kind of like pause at that for a while? Um, I would say like if you're just trying to, I would say it depends on who you are. If you're the person like we were talking about earlier who you've just gained a little body fat intentionally um, while you're bulking up and now you're just trying to cut down, no. I would say get it over as quickly as possible. If you're somebody who's trying though to, to lose a significant amount of body fat uh, because you are obese – um, and you just have a lot of body fat to lose, I would say that you need to, uh, I would say it's a good idea to sometimes kind of like get yourself back up to a maintenance level. So let's say that you're, I'm just going to stick with this illustration. Let's say you're 2,500 calories burned. Um, 2,000 calories is what you've been eating and you've been losing some weight, been losing some weight. Um, it could be a good idea to bump your calories back up a bit 
to like, let's say 2300, 2400, something like that. That's going to slow your weight loss, but it's going to help your metabolism not be so affected. It's going to prevent it from slowing too much. So that's how I'd answer that. Correct me later if, um, if that's not what you're asking, and I'm happy to answer whatever you were asking. All right, that is all the questions I had. Um, let's see, I took about 22 minutes to do that, so hopefully, um, so I'm glad I didn't try to address the other stuff today too. 